0: Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I'm your host, Brandi Jackson, founder of Brandi Jackson Golf, where young female golfers can come join the team in search of coaching, consulting, mentorship, and guidance on all things junior golf related and of course the college recruiting process. There's also access to an online course Or if you're looking for some fun girls golf lifestyle apparel, even added that to the collection last year. So be sure to go check out www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. Welcome to this edition of Tap Into College Golf. As always, I'm always excited to have guests on the show with me. And um, I have the Tennessee women's golf coach, Coach Judy Bavon. Um, had to make sure I say that right. Hopefully I, I didn't put <laughs> that up. Um, and, and ironically, she started her college career, right. As I was start starting her college coaching career, right. As I was starting my collegiate career and was just even looking back to how, um, how you got into coaching and everything and, and excited to have you join and us kind of catch up and, and chat a little bit. So thanks for joining the, the show.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brandy. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. So like I said, it's funny because even your, uh, your stand of playing professional is very similar to kind of what I did and I saw that and then I was thinking you had started your collegiate coaching career right about the time I got to Furman, and yep. you we know, were always kind of paired up with Tennessee and, and was putting that together. So share a little bit of getting into, I know you played uh, college golf at Alabama and then worked in. So tell a little bit about your kind of background into getting into coaching and then we're going to hit you with a few questions and chat a little bit about everything that's going on and and then wrap this up.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I, um, yeah, like you said, I played at Alabama and I went right into playing professionally from there. I wanted to commit five years um, to giving pro golf a shot. And um, so I played two years on the LPJ tour and three years on the, well, the Futures yeah. tour, it was called yeah. back then. Um, so that was the equivalent of the Smetra tour. And just loved everything about it, but I really wanted to settle down and have a family and kind of be in one place. So ended up here in Knoxville um, and was just working in town. I, um, there's a, a teaching facility here called Fairways and Greens. So I started kind of working over there um, after I got done playing and I didn't really love um, teaching as much as I thought I might. Um, and then the assistant coaching job came up at Tennessee. So I thought, well, I'll see if I like it. And I applied for that and just fell in love with coaching, everything about it, actually. Um, so I was assistant coach here for three years and then got the head coaching job. So I've only worked at Tennessee, which is like so unheard of. And I've been so fortunate, um, to just be in one place for my entire career, Hope to retire here and probably not too many years actually after all this time, but um, it's been amazing. It's a job I love and I love every part of it. You know, I love the paperwork part of it. I love the recruiting part of it. I love the golf part of it. I just love every aspect of it.
0: Very cool. It's funny because back to back guests that I've had. So I had um Coach Clary from Rhodes College on this past week and he's been there at Rhodes for 40 something years. That's where he played yeah. and he's <laughs> been the athletic director. So maybe it's something about oh those gosh. two schools that y'all just kind of get there and, and stay. But so yeah. it's kind of a very similar thing, which like you said, it is. It's very unusual, very unique to have one, you know, one place you've been at and and to stay there and, and be able to, to continue there. And, and like I said, hopefully retire there, and, um, which, would be, which would be great. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like you said, um, it, well, you kind of touched on it, but obviously we're in um, you know, a different, totally different world right now. You talked about kind of the paperwork and all that's with it. And I'm sure the last few months have been <laughs> a much different experience for coaching. Um, I know for me with my own business, it has been much different and it is a totally different type of demand um but you know we are still in this whole you know pandemic i know i think you even told me i think you all are getting to play a little bit this fall um but talk a little bit you know kind of one of the things is you know try to keep as positive of a outlook on what's going on and have tried to um See, you know, what, could, what some of the things that we have been able to take out of this that have been somewhat positive. So what do you think are some of the things maybe some of your girls you feel like have learned through this, some of the things you've learned through this that, you know, maybe has been a blessing in disguise for all that's going on? What are some of those lessons that you feel like have been, have been learned during such a kind of dark and gloomy time?
1: Yeah, it's been crazy. I remember um, we had the team together um, on Thursday. It was March, I think, 11th. And at that point, we thought it was going to be like a two-week break, and then we would be right back at it. And then that was the last time I saw them until they came back this fall. So it was crazy. And just, I mean, what it started out as and what we thought was going to happen, I mean, I would have never dreamt that we would still be dealing with it now at this point. But um, for me personally, it was, you know, you don't ever kind of get to step out of your career and take a break um so you know i know all the coaches all four of the coaches here at ut we kind of got the opportunity to do that i continued to go in at our facility because i was the only one there quite a bit but i got a lot done that i wouldn't have had time normally to do so you know just checking our website and changing little things here and there changing all of our recruiting stuff um so that was kind of um time well spent um but something that would have never gotten done otherwise and our, our players I think same thing, you know, nobody ever dreamed that like our season was going to get canceled last spring. And I think that they um, certainly appreciate being back now, for sure, and being together. Um, We had our senior decide to come back again this year. She had a job lined up. She's getting married this fall. She was going to turn pro, but she couldn't walk away without having that one last chance at SECs and Nationals. So um, that was it's cool that she decided to come back. I was actually surprised because her whole life was kind of in order and set up. Um, But I hope that they will take it forward. You know, how easy it is to just kind of get back into your old routine, you know, and for golf, they've been playing golf all summer. So it was a little easier I think for golfers than for other athletes in Mm -hmm. other sports. Um, But I hope that they'll remember that it was taken away for a little while and um, that, you know, to keep, looking at the positive side of things you know as we kind of get back into our routine this fall
0: yes like I said it's been I think the junior golfers have had to kind of adjust in a different way the collegiate golfers the the ones you know going out to play on tour so many you know decisions that they were not planning to have and and things that like I said luckily for golf it was able to continue through this time so I feel like that has been a a big blessing in disguise for just the golf industry in general that a lot of times when things like this happen, you feel like it's one of the sports that gets hit the hardest from an economy standpoint. So it has, it's definitely been good to see it be able to, and then from a, you know just a, a, a kind of for the the players to be able to continue to play some tournaments even though some of the bigger ones got canceled and, and didn't yeah. have as many they still got to play and, and kind of keep a little bit of normalcy to their routines which I know has been really good for for the junior girls going through things and and you know even the collegiate girls having some stuff this summer I yeah. to have a little sense of normalcy through all this and, and everything not just be completely like completely cut off has been good to at least see and and see some things kind of be able to to thrive during this time so
1: yeah exactly I agree
0: well taking the the pandemic scenario out of things uh-huh. which it's been funny every time I've had conversations with parents and employers lately I have to like consult in three different ways of like pandemic pre-pandemic post-pandemic for like how this process goes and, and how different things are every conversation like I said I feel like I have to and then I even have like pre-NCAA old rules and then <laughs> post-NCAA rules so yeah, it's right. been you know like you have to explain everything so many different times but just in a normal typical year of, um, of things going on and in four years of players what do you see are some of the the biggest factors and attributes that the girls have that that really help them have more success as a college athlete, whether it's to go on and play professionally or just to have a really good college career, even if they don't plan to go play professionally, what are some things you see tend to be some, some similarities or even, you know, complete differences, but that tend to like work for one girl over another girl? Yeah, I think
1: um, probably the number one main factor is the girls that are self-motivated and want to work hard. Um, You know, you get some that come through that just are so, have such high goals set and are so determined and nothing's going to stand in their way. And they're going to be out there working and practicing. And then, you know, you'll get others that do what's asked, but they don't really do much more than what's asked. And then sometimes you get some that it's like pulling teeth just to get them to come out to practice every day and do what you want them to do and be able to stay focused. But Um, Just across the board, the best um, players that I've had at Tennessee have been very self-motivated and the 20 hours a week that we have just isn't enough for them. They love golf. They want to be out there doing it more. And they they come to school for golf. Now, of course, they come for their degree, too. And, and you definitely have to leave mm-hmm. with a degree. But for my best, best players, really, they prefer the golf over the degree. Um, yeah. I, I have high standards for them academically. So I don't let anyone slide. You know, they all leave with well over 3.0 GPAs. But um, I think that's probably the biggest, biggest factor is the kids that, you know, are out there practicing when you didn't ask them to go out there. I, th- I think that some of our kind of newer players, it seems uh, just different recently that some players um, have a lot of, like maybe haven't even practiced a lot without their parents being there with them. And then they come to college and they're a little bit lost because their parents aren't here at practice with them every day. And, Although we're there, um, it's different, you know, having us focus on our whole team rather than one individual. So I think that that, um, although it may seem like a good idea at the time and fun family time, it's probably not the best thing for these kids coming into college to have them never have really practiced independently.
0: Yes, I could see that. And I think uh, just in, you know, obviously, I deal a lot with kind of working on developing some of those player development skills and trying to get them to be more self-motivated and, and accountable during their time. And, and like you said, it, it's great that the parents could be there. Cause I, I do sometimes encourage it a little bit just for some of that accountability, but then you've right. got to be able to separate that, especially as you get closer and closer to college golf of being a little bit more independent and being able to yeah. do those things, even without somebody, setting up drills for you or making sure you finish them or, or whatever that might yeah, be as, exactly. especially as you get closer and closer to that, uh, you know, college experience. And that's actually a little bit of the other thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, that, that transition to college golf, um, that, you know, I, I've been doing this for you know 10 years now and I've had a lot of girls go on, but something about this past year, and I actually read a book, um, it's about a runner, um, called what made Maddie run and uh, it's a sad story, but it really just hit on that transition to college sports and, you know, some do it a little bit easier than others. Um, some, you know, do struggle more with the emotional mental part of it. Um, what do you see? And we'll talk a little bit more kind of the, the physical part of it, but just from the, you know, kind of even that emotional maturity side of it are some of the things that the kids coming in maybe have, done a little bit better. Again, I know you can only prepare so much for it. It's going to be a major transition, you know, no matter what. Um, But what are some of the things you see that maybe some have done prior to coming in that allows them to handle that transition just a little bit better and and get settled in and feel more comfortable um, a little bit better than some of the others who maybe struggled with that a little bit?
1: Um, You know, it's interesting. I've been here for like 23 years and um, when i was in before my own kids went to college I was just kind of like a little less understanding of how difficult the transition was and then when my kids went um, I understood how difficult it was even for me to have um, your kids away so I understand both sides of it now it's kind it's good being a parent and now I'm the age of all the parents I'm actually older than all the parents now so you know at least I can really relate to the parents well and what they're going through too but I think it's really interesting because I think every single kid could relate to this. You're so excited. They're so excited for so long and they they commit and then they sign and then they still have nine months before, eight months before they get to school and they're so excited and they're so excited and they're so excited and then about the week before, it's terrifying yeah, and then they get here and they get moved in, and then their parents leave. And um, I usually give them about two to three weeks, and then they really kind of crash at that yeah. three-week point when they realize, man, I'm not going home anytime soon. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm here. Um, yeah. And normally in a normal year, that's right when we start traveling, so that helps a lot. This year's a little more challenging, I think, for the freshmen because we're waiting until October to travel. Like usually when we start traveling and going to tournaments yeah. then that sort of helps because then their parents might come to the tournaments and see them. But, um, I think that it's hard to prepare. And I think that, that both parents and kids need to prepare themselves that it's going to be, although you're so excited, everybody's so excited for it, that it's going to be harder than you think. Um, and, um, I think that sometimes parents, um, You know, I've had some come and just drop their kids off and leave. I've had some come and kind of hang around. And I think there's a fine balance in there of maybe two or three days being here. And then you got to take off and just kind of rip the bandaid off and and let them go. Um, I think that in a way, um, you know, I've coached kids with cell phones and without cell phones. And in the days when they didn't have cell phones, they really relied on their coaches a lot to help them through the transition. And I think maybe it even made it a little easier because they just couldn't call home every minute and talk with their parents. Um, But now, you know, they can kind of be both places at once at home and at here. And sometimes that makes it, I think a little harder on them um, rather than easier because they can, you know, be both places or wish they were in both places. But normally I don't think they have that many issues we keep them so busy um that i think that helps i think it's really important that you know your older kids on the team are kind and patient with the freshmen um, while they transition because everyone's been there and they just have to remember you know that it's harder than you think and it's hard to manage your time and it's hard to manage your emotions at the beginning and so i think if your team is kind and patient and as coaches if you just help them and and look out for them it helps a lot but as far as preparing, I think that 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 while you're so excited, you just need to also have a reality check that it's going to be hard in the first few weeks, and maybe come up with a family plan for how you're going to handle those first few weeks to make it um, maybe as easy on the kid as possible.
0: Yeah, it, it's true. It's like you said, the it's harder than you think, and you don't want to. I catch myself. I, you know, I had a girl ask me, you know, well, how hard is it to play D one golf? And you know, I kind of looked at her and, and wanted to just say, you know it's really tough. Like it's it's <laughs> yeah. hard, you know, and college golf and, and so much about what you go through is so much harder than, than you think. And again, everybody's experience is different. It's going to be tougher on some than others. Parts based off of, you know, how well do you play parts based off of just how well does it end up being the right fit? You know, everybody kind of has different, you know, different things, but I don't think you're gonna get very many girls to look at their college, you know, especially start a freshman year and say that it wasn't harder than they thought it was going to be. you don't right. want to, you, know, you don't want to dampen that experience by trying to make them so like nervous about it but you also like you said you just don't want them going in just so like so wide-eyed that it's just going to be the greatest thing ever and then it does it just hits them and and, and they just don't know how to handle it or, or how to adjust yeah. and it's you know just not what they were prepared for like at all right. it's just like you said the the cell phone comparison is a good one up yeah I mean when I was in school I mean I, I when I didn't talk to my parents you know for days at a time and you know they didn't they didn't wonder, or, I mean, it may have wondered, but you know, they couldn't necessarily reach me and I didn't tell them everything that was going on, you know, just cause I didn't like something or something wasn't going great. Like, you know, I couldn't just text them and say, God, coach is like doing this and I don't want to do it. You know, we just yeah. you know, said you relied on your coaches a lot more. You relied on the people there. A lot more than you did your parents or you know even if you did have a swing coach back home you couldn't just go you know call them or send them your swing you know so many different things with that that you you didn't have so much access to just kind of uh, kind of not just complain but just to like seek information other places and seek seek help other places and and then you're battling all the different opinions and everything which makes it obviously much tougher Um, absolutely well then Kind of take it back a little bit from a little bit more of kind of the, and I know you and I have kind of talked, I know you love doing CrossFit, and and I'm always (laughs) posting all my training stuff and competition, so I know that it's something important to you um, in your life. How is that, uh, you know, the, the fitness, nutrition, speed, strength, all of that kind of tied in together? Um, you know, both at the junior golf level and then leading into the collegiate level. Um, again, I know for coaches, it, it's kind of different variations there. Some are big on it. Others, some coaches would say, I don't care what you eat, you know, do whatever you want kind of thing. So I, I know that's, uh, that kind of varies. But what do you see in, in your experience of, of how important that is, uh, I suppose, for the junior golfers to have at least some awareness and, and be working towards that with, with tying it into what it's like at the college level?
1: Yeah, I, um, it's interesting because I go back and forth with how I feel about it, to be honest. Um, you know, I found CrossFit when my youngest daughter went to college. I needed to fill that late afternoon time when I would normally be making dinner for everybody. And so that's when I found CrossFit and just fell in love with it for me personally. So I love that. But with our team, um, you know, I I feel like obviously you have to be fit enough to walk 18 holes and play golf. But I feel like, you know, all these golfers are fit enough to do that. Uh, That's what they're doing. Otherwise we wouldn't recruit them if they couldn't do it. But um, I struggle sometimes with, you know, you know, we have 20 hours a week of practice and how much of that do I devote to fitness and how much do I devote to actual golf? Because, um, you know, I, a workout is not going to necessarily help them make a three footer. If they can't make a three footer, I can't put them in the weight room to fix that. So we struggle with that balance all the time. I think that we always work out. And I think that for the junior golfers, um, I don't know, sometimes our strength coaches have said it's better if they come in almost with no background so that we can train them and teach them how we want them to do things. Mm -hmm. But I think more and more kids are coming in with a pretty strong background in fitness, which just gets them up to speed much quicker and that's just one fewer thing that they have to adjust to when they get here because pretty much everywhere you go you're going to have a training program so we're pretty um at the beginning of the season especially we communicate a lot with the strength coach and our trainers and the athletes because you know we start golf and we start qualifying and we start workout at the same time and I don't want to sacrifice their golf um for the fitness right at the beginning anyway i don't want them sore every time they go out to qualify that's not fair to the new players on the team Um, so i think that um i think that it's super important i think it's really important that kids um i'm sort of one of those like on the golf course i would like them to eat the most the best choice possible But if it's a choice between eating nothing or eating something that they're going to like, I just want them to eat while they're out there. We're out there for such a long time that they have to eat. But these kids now, I mean, they're at least the kids that are showing up here at the university of Tennessee, they have a background in eating healthy. I think, you know, when you go out to the AJJ events, the choices that they have are really healthy options for snacks out there. Um, And so they, they, our, you know, they're coming in better and better, um, with their nutritions. Most of them eat better than I eat. So I have to pick <laughs> up my nutrition to match what they're doing. Um, and then the fitness, I mean, we know it's important. I think over time here, when we have them in our system for the four years, they do get longer, they get more durable and we try to get them more mentally tough with our, our workouts. So those are kind of our goals and, and to help them, um, avoid injury. So those are our goals in our workouts. And over the course of their career, we accomplish them. But for freshmen right in, I think, I think that just adds to the transition a little bit, the, the workout stuff. So we kind of ease into it for them. And then when we get into off season in the fall, they pick it up a little bit more for the freshmen so that they can get up to speed.
0: Yeah, and what you said, again, that's why there's so much of this that's like a double-edged sword of if you do so much to prepare going in and and you've been training, you've been doing all this, then you get there and it's different is sometimes that makes it harder for you all as the coaches and trainers to get them to adjust. It, It sounds great in theory and you want to have that baseline, but you don't want to be so stuck in what you've been doing that when you're forced to do something different, and, and maybe you do, maybe not get injured, but it, it hurts a little bit different. And, you know, then it's, well, which one is it? Did the, the new training mess me up? Because, I, you know, it is then kind of hard to battle that getting you know, so caught up in what they had done to get there, trying to prepare and not making that adjustment to what it's going to be like, you know, now that they're there. Um, so sometimes. Yeah. You know, not doing enough but not too much um and also the same thing with the nutrition Same exact same thought is like you said I love training and, and what I do training wise it's nothing that's golf oriented I'm so far past my golf career so I always have to write like, a post up and people will comment I'm like this is so not something I would recommend any golfer to be doing this is not golf training but the mentality and same thing with my nutrition and stuff you know I get asked and and you try to implement some good habits and make some good suggestions. But as like I said, at the end of the day, something's better than nothing. Um, you know, if you're going to try to force something and, and they're not going to want to eat it, they're better off eating a Snickers bar than they are not eating something. Yeah. But in a, at the same yeah. time, like, you know, just when you want to play at a higher level and you want to be competitive, it's starting to understand that willingness to at least do a little bit better and know that, you know, you, you've got to start. Stepping it up a little bit, and be willing to do things a little bit different because you are being asked to compete at a higher level than than you were, you know, than you ever have been before.
1: Exactly, and and at the same time, like you were saying about workout, you know, you kind of I hate to say it, but you kind of have to conform to your team. You know, I don't think you yeah. want to be the kid that comes in and is disagreeing with your strength coach and yeah. disagreeing with your teammates. Like it doesn't put you off on a good foot, which just makes the transition harder. You know, you just kind of at least for a while, need to kind of fit into the system and see what it's like and then, you know, give feedback a little bit later on after you've tried everything out and been a part of it.
0: Yeah, And it's just like you said, too, not kind of not fair to the freshmen who come in that, again, even if they've been trying to prepare, they come in and they're not used to it. They're, you know, they're sore. They're all of that. And the the other ones have, you know, been a little bit more accustomed to it. And it it makes it a little bit tougher for them to make that transition, especially with golf. You start off. You don't get, you don't get to come do full summer training like the football team does and lead into it. You really kind of get there and you got a couple of weeks to adjust before you're playing yeah. your first tournament. And, and then you go, you know, four or five tournaments, not back to back, but pretty consistent. And then all of a sudden your fall semester is over with and it, you know, you hardly even had time to kind of take a breath and catch up. Um, yeah, exactly. Again, pre-pandemic era <laughs> of that, a little different now. Yeah. Um, Well, there is this one topic, like I said, I like talking a lot more about, you know, just the collegiate side of things. This is more focused on, on the college golf side and and got a couple more things I want you to share with that before we finish. But one thing that I have been really kind of faced with a lot, and I've tried to address it, even though addressing it just opens up the door for how many scenarios, but it's, it's kind of this topic of, you know, why her and not me. And it's something so many of the girls kind of struggle with. And part of it's a comparison thing. And part of it's just a lack of knowing what really was the, the reason behind things. And, and you see players verbally commit and they, you know, you assume they've got scholarship, but you don't know that, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some of the different reasons that you've seen. And, and I know at the end of the day, a lot of times it is just this, you know, I have to explain to the girls sometimes it's just this gut feeling and you can't explain it. Um, but maybe some of the reasons that you've seen that stand out that maybe made you lean towards one girl over the other, when on paper, it didn't maybe make sense or, know it was just somebody that early on in the process or or whatever that might be you know some of the reasons why you may see that tend to be the case from from your experience for you know leaning towards one girl over over another one that like I said may not make sense or you you know you've just got your reasons for it
1: yeah I you know it's interesting uh being on the coaching side of that and being on the recruit side (laughs) of that because for my you know for my end it's like all so clear to me what I'm doing or why I'm yeah. doing it um but I think that f- first of all um you know for me personally I recruit who I've seen so you know I feel really badly for a lot of kids right now that all of the, the coaches have been at yeah. home all summer yeah. I mean if we can't see you it's tough and so if we haven't already seen them then it's really tough um but you know I split up tournaments with my assistant coach where we're going to go recruit, who's going to go out. We try to hit as many as we can, but if I don't if I don't know someone is playing somewhere or they're not on my radar, then I'm not, not going to go seek them out and watch them. So I'm going to go to the big tournaments yeah. with the most players. Um and usually you know, um I don't usually have like this player over this player very often in my scenario. The way that I do my recruiting usually is I'll get to a class and I'll pick out like my top 10 players and then they're kind of all equal to me, those 10. Um, And maybe I'll make an offer to all 10 of them and the first one that takes it is going to get it. Um, And then I'll move down to my next list if um, if I didn't get any of those 10. But I better get one of those 10. Yeah, that's a yeah, pretty right. high percentage there, yes. Yeah, so I mean, I feel really um, badly for kids, and I think it's interesting that you're in that situation, because I'm sure you're in that situation all the time, yeah. um, and it's a hard question to answer. But also, like you said, sometimes there's a scholarship offer out there, and sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there's a full offer. Sometimes there's a partial offer. Sometimes there's a walk-on situation. But in the end, what people only see is who committed where. Um, And so I I do think that the numbers are different more often than kids will probably want to want to believe. And also, you know, some kids can earn some academic money. And so that's also something that um, if I have a like I have half my team right now who's did amazingly on their SAT or ACT. So we basically have one extra scholarship because all these kids did so great on their tests. So I've, you know, I've got great players that are only costing our program 70%, which is like amazing. So yes, if I can get somebody who gets a full scholarship kid for 70%, I'm going to go after that kid, um, a little bit more. So academics does make a difference. And I think that we all just have our, um, our style of player too, that we like, and that we recruit, yeah. like I'll take a long hitter who hits it crooked and doesn't putt good <laughs> because I think I can work on, well, we're going to do is work on yes. putting when they get here, you know? So, um, I think we're all attracted to different types of players as well. I think that, um, like we talked about earlier parents, you know, goodness, I think that, that, <laughs> if you're, if you're as a parent and you're carrying all your kids snacks and they're pushing a push cart and they can't even put their own snacks in their push cart, like they have to understand that I'm going to be that parent and I'm not going to do that. So, you know, when I went, when I go over to Europe to recruit, you know, um, like they don't even have water out on the golf course and there's hardly a parent out on the golf course and there's no snacks anywhere on the golf course. Like somehow those kids are really self-sufficient. And I think that um you know the parent wants to be helpful and i understand that as a parent i want to be helpful and i did it all for my kids too and i probably shouldn't have but um you know we want like a real independent kid because that's how we're going to treat them when they get here so all those little things um i don't i don't see too many kids that act bad on the golf course that's never really an issue anymore sometimes you'd have somebody yeah. who would, you were like yeah but i don't see that too much i think all these kids are um, you know great kids um they work hard i think golf is the older i've gotten it's funny i'm like wow you know when you play golf you kind of put yourself on the line everybody's standing there watching you hit every shot you know like you have to be brave to stand up yeah. and do that so you know i appreciate what everybody has been through and some some kids you know are later bloomers or earlier bloomers and you know for schools like tennessee and all the schools in the sec you know we're pretty lucky that we get commitments fairly early so you had to be kind of an early bloomer to to catch some of us so the late bloomers you know might have to want to come for less scholarship or commit later or you know whatever it's 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 a hard question to answer, Brandy. And it I don't is. know I don't know how you I don't know how you manage that question, but I I think the kids need to realize the coaches aren't out to get them. And it's yeah. not even that we preferred one kid over the other kid. It's just we knew that one kid better. Like yeah. they all know each other and are talking, but we don't know every player. So yeah. I don't think it's it's against a one player as much as it is just somebody that we were maybe more familiar with.
0: Yes. Well, that, that's a big part of it. And yeah, it, it is. It, that's why I kind of brought up the trying to address the topic a little bit just to shed some light on it. But yet yeah, it's a question that I mean, it's such a rhetorical question in a way and, and just can't really be answered because a lot of times, too, as soon as one answer is maybe the case for something, then all of a sudden it's a totally different case for a totally different scenario. Yeah. Where You know, between alumni kids and, and, you know, you talk about, you know, yeah, schools like SEC schools get to take early recruits and you typically have to be an early bloomer. Well, then you see that one girl senior year who's had a really good year and you see that she gets, you know, recruited by an SEC school and all of a sudden everybody's like, well, I have until my senior year and, you know, I can do all this. And and you don't want to leave out the fact that there are those exceptions and you don't want them to get so settled into that not being possible, but yet... You can't just keep relying on that being the, you know, one scenario that that happens every now and then. Um, so yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, with with the more girls that that I've had in different scenarios and dealing with different things, um, and just hearing them the more they share with me and hearing some of their thoughts for how much I said part of it comparing to other girls. And, And in some ways I get, you know, I say there's a healthy point of that just to try to see like maybe where do you need to be? Um, but how much they like I said well you know she's being recruited here and the parents are just as bad about it too obviously oh yeah 100%. But, you know well, I beat her she's going to this school and I beat her you know this last tournament like but yet you know these coaches aren't looking at me it's uh it's it's um I mean it, you know it's part of this and it's part of why I do the job that I do but it's so hard not to give concrete answers to things sometimes so it's just been a topic that's been um been a good bit of some of my discussions lately with, with players and coaches and, and just trying to pick some brains just to collect as many different reasons to kind of just say in a way that like there's a lot of reasons and, and there's a lot of unanswered uh, reasons for why things go the way they do and you just really got to kind of trust it and and stay in your lane and, and make sure you're doing what you need to be doing and, and try not to worry about everybody else and what's going on with everybody else but that's a whole lot right, easier said exactly than I sure. mean,
1: and it is hard and yeah. You know, if you have a player transfer, then you might have some late yeah. money or whatever. But yeah, I I, I yeah. think it's probably really hard. And I think that if a, a girl that's kind of an upward and comer has a dream school, then, you know, I mean, junior golf costs a lot of money. College costs a lot of money. But, you know, if you can afford to pay a little bit your freshman year, maybe you can get your foot in the yeah. door. And then earn some more money later on um, as coaches save money for you or whatever but you know but then again you know like I know that if I don't offer somebody a full scholarship somebody else is probably going to offer them a full scholarship so then these kids got to decide if you want the prestige of the money or if you want the school and the program that was your dream school so Sometimes that's, that's a decision too. So yeah, I don't envy you having to answer that question. (laughs) Like I said, sometimes the question just doesn't even have an answer, you know, there's no answer for it.
0: Yeah. yeah. i i I've, I've, I've seriously need a chart of like all of my like comebacks. And one of them is the, the biggest thing that I answer most of the time is it depends. It, it just yeah, depends.
1: Is yeah, my answer
0: 100%. 99% of the time with yeah. questions is it, you know, there's so many different factors for it. So, well, let's right. talk just a couple more things from your kind of coaching career and, and some of the things that you've, witnessed or or dealt with and then we'll wrap this up kind of two extremes on these next two questions so we'll tackle the harder one first and then we'll finish on a little bit <laughs> notes. Um, what's been one of the biggest challenges maybe outside of the the pandemic and that being a challenge um, what's been one of the biggest challenges you've faced as a college coach during your time
1: um, I can tell you it's just kind of recently come on um, actually and I've really realized it. And I'm not sure what the answer is for how to fix it. But, you know, we have, um, this year I have nine players on my team. Usually we have between seven and nine players on the team. Um, But five are competing um, for us and maybe six if we take an individual. But, you know, by the end of the season, you have to narrow down to five um, that have been, you know, out representing you and playing and that have the experience. And so I've really struggled a lot with making sure that the other girls on my team feel valued. I do value everybody on my team. Everybody's on my team because I feel like they have ability and potential, or I like something about them, or I just like them as people. But um, that's one of my biggest challenges. I mean, everybody wants to play, um, but not everybody will play all the time. And I think coming in, everybody – you know, understands. They know the format of college events. Um, But so that's been really tough for me. Um, I have had some players who, you know, may have even walked on to my program and then didn't play and then left unhappy that they didn't get to compete. And, you know, I'm really fair with qualifying and giving opportunities and stuff. So that's probably my biggest struggle, and I have not figured it out yet. Um, you know, I feel like we treat everybody really, really well here. But the answer for everybody not getting to compete is the hardest thing for me. Um, I wish everybody could compete. I wish we were like other sports where you could even you yeah. know, suit up your whole team and <laughs> yeah. bring them. Um, or you had more events that you could just throw um, extra players in and give everybody an opportunity. But that's really hard, you know, um, yeah. because, yes. you know, I feel like golf is, fairly black and white you know we have a qualifier you know the scores are the scores um and so you know I I just really I really struggle with that and I I feel really a lot of empathy toward my players who who don't get yeah. to play all the time and that's tough
0: yeah well I think that's really honest and, and good insight because you know it, it's like you said you want it's hard to separate because as a coach you need to focus on the ones that that are playing and you know your job is trying to get the best performance you know when you go to a tournament and have that but like you said not you know not you know, not letting the other girls feel less valued or less important just because mm-hmm. they're not going and and then wanting them to get better because the better they get you know the, the more competitive the whole team is I'm sure that is a a very tough balance and and obviously, the bigger the team gets, the more you have of those that, that aren't going. And then that even pulls you even, you know, even farther. Um, you know, just it just makes it even tougher and, and even more people yeah. have to try to, to do that. So, well, and I think I always try to, just how I run my life or do my life, is I always try to, to compare, not compare, but like empathize with things and, And I kind of have the same thing a little bit, I think, with some of the girls who, you know, have a lot of these offers and have a lot going on and and they're really busy. And then the ones that, you know, maybe don't, like I said, you do, you empathize and you you want to help. But sometimes, you know, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to balance that and hard to, um, you know, like he said, to be able to put the same amount of time and energy into it when one is clearly already got more things in demand as is and trying to find that yeah. and want to make sure they all feel the same value and the same worth and not just because one's playing better than the other or whatever. Um, you know, it just cause you don't, you don't cause then they start putting their worth and their value into it. And it's just a, I'm sure it's a tough balance for you as a coach there with them on a daily basis and, and then really struggling with that and, um, how hard it is for the ones that have to stay home, but they're working just as hard. It's, uh, like you said, right, you wish exactly. you could go in and, yeah, everybody play nine holes and then you switch out and everybody plays the other nine right. holes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. would be nice because, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it is. It's tough unless, like you said, sometimes you see the kids that want to come in and, and be that, you know, sixth person and, and know that you got to really fight to to be there and it sounds ideal and, and you think that, it's you know, you can do it and then when you don't, just that frustration to it. and Yeah. Um, you know, you, you empathize, but yet, you know, if you said, trying to find that balance. I'm sure it's tough, so that's a very – very honest wow. way of looking at that. So very good insight wow. and, um, and good. Well, let's finish on a lighter note. And this is always <laughs> one of my, my favorite parts of what I've done for pretty much every episode. Um, but and every coach has had such different stories. It's been so much fun to hear. Um, what's one of the funniest stories that you've had, whether from coaching, recruiting, whatever it might be, what's one of just the things that stands out or a tradition that there may be with the team? What's that um, that for you?
1: Yeah, if I, I listen to your podcast, and so often people are like, "Well, I can't just pick one story or whatever," yeah. and, and I'm kind of in the same boat. But That's why I will best say, one. <laughs> one of the the funnest times I would say that we have um, as a team always, and probably every team has the same thing is, you know, the last day of tournaments. We're up early. It's usually an eight o'clock shotgun, so you're up at five thirty or six, and you play. And then you're traveling home and it gets late and then somebody gets like delirious like we go from exhausted to like slap happy so we've had some really really funny times like uh we were just i mean we were almost home from the airport here so it was in the last five minutes of the trip one of our girls was describing her like high school golf event and she said you know, my shot shape for the day was a shank, so I just had to play it. And we're, we were all just so delirious. We're like, what are you talking about? Like, how can that possibly be? And then um, just last week, we had a, a kind of a funny thing um, with the Zoom. You know, we're, uh-huh. we're not used to all these Zoom meetings. So every Zoom meeting that we've had has been just our team. And yeah. last week, we had one that was with the women's golf team, the men's golf team, swimming and diving. It was all of our compliance staff, um, all of our training room staff, all of the doctors. And one of our girls thought it was just our team. So she just popped on and she was like, hey, everybody, I just fried up some bananas in my air fryer. Wait, let me go get them and show them to you. And then she got up and walked off and we were like all just holding our breath, waiting for her to come back. but one of the other girls texted her and told her there's like 80 people on this call. So unfortunately she just came back and sat Uh, down and didn't say a word, but uh,
0: that that would have been a good one for sure. Oh,
1: no kidding. I was was so mad that the other girl stopped her her. showing bananas when she came back, but it's just so fun because like, probably, like I said, the funnest things happen when everybody's really tired and we're together a lot when we are really tired. And, um, so I've just had some, we've had some great moments with that and just hanging around these girls. I mean, you never know what's going to come out of their mouth. So that <laughs> always makes it fun.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. Like I said, and then, and the the fact that you can't pick just one, I'm that way. I was asked this, I'm that way about everything. I was Philly yeah. with a girl and she asked me what my favorite movie is. And I'm like, I'm so <laughs> bad at just picking out yeah, too. favorite <laughs> of anything. Like I've got like a whole list or at least i I need a top three, at least. I might get to a right. top three, but um, 100%. You know, when people have their, like, one moment or their one, you know, favorite movie and all that, like, I'm so bad with that. So I can, yep. um, can relate to having, you know, multiple ones. And, and like you said, when you've got these 19, 20, 21-year-old girls and, and the stuff they're doing, and especially oh gosh, if you've got a mix yeah. of international players and, and their kind of approach to things with the American kids and, and yep. everything, it's it just opens the door for so, kinds yeah. of, so many kinds of Entertaining value, I'm sure. Uh, yes. Well, thanks for um, for sharing that and, and for all this insight. I, I've enjoyed it. I I've been wanting to catch up with you anyway, so I figured this was the best way to do it. Um, but as we wrap up, just you know, is there anything I said? You you mentioned it. You know, I know you've listened to some of the other episodes. We get other coaches listen, obviously, a lot of junior players and their parents, some collegiate girls. Um, anything you want to share as we sign off and, and wrap this episode up? Well,
1: I think that you're a great resource and a great liaison for these girls um, because they can be honest and open and they have good access to you to answer these questions for them. And
0: I know it's a tough,
1: yeah, I mean, I know it's a tough (laughs) process, but like I was just saying, you know, I feel real empathy for the girls on my team that aren't competing. So I think players need to understand, you know, do you want to be the person that someone's feeling empathy for because you're not competing or do you want to compete? You know, like there's so many ways to choose your school and, I think that, you know, the transfer portal now is open and it's easy thing. I'm not in love with that at all. Yeah, I yeah. I hope that kids can find a great fit wherever they go. And, and we, I feel like at Tennessee, we've had very few people transfer, very few people leave. I think people do their homework and they commit to the school and the program. And I think that's the best answer for everyone is to, you know, really figure it out on the front end where you want to be. And and then stick with that decision. And um, so I think that you're really great on helping them be able to do that. And I I think that you're providing a great service for them.
0: Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. And I I definitely try. Sometimes I question that, (laughs) just like you said, you you know, you, we all have our struggles and and we question where we're, you know, struggling with things and and not fitting that need. And, And I felt so less, um, capable for these last few months or the last six oh, months I guess, right now yeah I have felt definitely pushed to my max for trying to come up with answers and, and trying to help more than I ever have been for sure but I know a lot yeah. of people feel that way and a lot of teachers feel that way right now a lot of coaches um you know so many people feel that way right now so I know I'm not not the only one and, and just lucky <laughs> that as we said that the golf industry has continued to kind of uh, at least continue to maintain itself. I know everybody's itching to get back to college golf like normal and, and get back to all that. But hopefully, hopefully, I'll get to play some this spring. I mean, this fall, and then by the spring, we're back um, to not normal, but at least back to playing golf. And back I, to hope so. yep, so, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yes. Well, thank you again. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time, and I appreciate everybody out there who tapped in to this episode of Tap In to College Golf.